could probably just pull a cold open of like someone of one of us being like, wait, so are we like, <laughs> are we doing this? <laughs> or, uh, uh, let's what's see. the deal? <laughs> the show starting uh officially starting at 10 15 p.m eastern time uh, what on is, what november is 11th uh, shut down plus one here in syracuse yeah uh this is well uh we're certainly risking a lot yeah uh, being here adam uh welcome back loyal <laughs> listeners to episode three of lieutenant dan's legs all 12 of you that uh listened to that first episode we had 12 uh, something like that those are record numbers uh, we broke double digits that's double hey that's that's a little less than a baker's dozen but good enough for mm. the traditional dozen yeah it's true we didn't get a freebie with it but you know what it's better than nothing my name is jacob Payne, and i'm adam garrity and a lot's happened uh, since we last spoke with you a whole heck of a lot uh we have a new president elect joe uh, biden but you know what? Barring, we still... Some people still has to some, play out in the courts. Someone's throwing cold water on it. There's still some litigation to get through. But uh, I think I think deep down in most of our hearts, we all know what will eventually happen. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. It's been a, a shit-crazy year and a, a shit-crazy mm. election. Mm. But, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of stuff going on around here. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Adam and I are recording this from the Syracuse University campus, which for the most part has done well getting through this pandemic. Exceeded all of my expectations, I would say. We are within two weeks of the end of the fall semester, and we just found out, uh, I guess, today officially. Officially. I think yesterday they had planned for a shutdown. We knew it was coming, and today... The hammer blow came. Yes. It made its final blow uh classes moving to online starting tomorrow starting tomorrow which we were lucky to slide in here yeah uh risking life and limb Mm. uh to be here with you folks that's how much you guys mean to us uh we had to go through very rigorous uh covid testing Mm -hmm. um i actually did get tested today yeah Yeah. i I know we we were outside in the parking lot and they're like whoa 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 fellas we know you are the flagship show yeah. of WERW. You're making the big bucks around here. I mean, we know you don't do you don't get to do a show once every five weeks mm-hmm. uh, unless you're the top do double G's top dollar over here. And I was like, okay, give me the saliva test. And they were trying to give Adam the saliva test, but uh, you opted for the uh, the anal test, which I thought was bold uh, i mean you know it's it'd been a while since uh i'd had my prostate checked so i felt th- like a two-timer you know you want to be thorough yeah you yeah. can't be too careful so it, it's also the sound of those latex gloves they put on Whew, i love that <laughs> oh mama oh boy oh man you're making my britches tight mm-hmm. uh it's a weird way to start the show but here we are i mean is there ever a normal way to start this show uh in the three uh iterations of it uh i can't say that there is yeah uh loosen all track of time and uh, I felt the same way as I watched uh, Batman and Robin circa 1997 mm-hmm. earlier this evening. And uh, it's a, it's an interesting film when you get into these superhero franchises. I mean, these are entities and brands that have existed for 
decades. And so they go through uh, different stars, uh, certainly uh, Adam West being the uh, the, the first the OG, I'd have the to say. OG Batman in yeah. uh, Batman and Robin, the 1997 movie, uh, George Clooney plays Batman. Honestly, like I love the casting pick. George Clooney as Batman. I liked it. I mean, who what could go wrong? I know. Turns out a lot. I mean, and look, you look at the rest of the cast of this movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It is a star-studded Uma cast. Uma Thurman. I mean, especially in those, like, this came out in 97. That's like the peak of a lot of those people's careers. It would it would prove to be the end of some of those careers. I would say so. What was, uh, what was your first Batman movie? You know what? When I was... When I was watching this, it was very familiar, and I wanted to say this was my first Batman movie, but uh, as I started doing some of the research, it turns out that the uh, previous iteration of this series, Batman Forever, the 1995 uh, with Val Kilmer, was probably my first Batman movie, although I was only three years old at mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. So uh, who knows which one I saw first? I certainly don't remember but um yeah i certainly came in at a, a good point since uh, my the batman that i know and love is the the dark knight trilogy yes that's where and it really i, I think me. that's really where the standard is and i want to get into uh the comparisons between this one and the christopher nolan films uh so according to an article on the new republic uh this is the worst batman movie of all time and I haven't seen all of them, so I can't, you know, confirm or deny that. Well, you know what? I'm I'm going to take their word for it because uh, they claim this as being the definitive, the definitive list. And so, I mean, here is their quick paragraph. I mean, you got to believe everything you see on the internet, as we all know. I believe this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's got uh, it's got nice font and right. uh, some links and shit. New Republic sounds like a trustworthy source. Yeah, I mean, it's I like their page. So here's what they had to say. Uh, according to the New Republic, the absolute worst Batman movie destroyed several careers, mm. seriously harmed others, and generally served as an oh my God horror show of terrible creative decisions. Uh, Batman and Robin marked the end of a certain approach to Gotham's Avenger. Never again would anyone hired for a Batman project treat the character like a campy joke transitioning awkwardly from a successful run on er to a film career george clooney is a smarmy self-regard as bruce wayne the too cute glibness extends everywhere especially joel schumacher's direction which tried to push the homoerotic bond between batman and robin but still came across as witless cheap and gaudy it's certainly a weird homoerotic bond when you consider that Robin spends the, most of this movie immensely thirsty, I would have to say. You know what? Uh, I, I just got to say the Batman and Robin dynamic is uh, very frustrating. Yeah. I mean, let's start, let's start with the yeah, beginning of this movie since, you know, that's probably a good place to start. The movie starts with, I'm not even joking here, a literal shot of both of their asses. It's it's a gratuitous shot of crotches and asses in very tight spandex. And and it's and it's really weird. It's really weird trying to figure out who they're trying to 
market this movie toward. Right. Because uh, according to, um, you know, articles written on this movie, uh, it was really sort of seized up by corporations and toy companies yeah. who were thirsty for merchandising. Totally. I mean, and who as, doesn't want to buy some Batman merchandise? Right. And as you're watching this, it's like, okay, uh, the Batmobile has a lighting up air pr- airplane engine yeah. sort of in the middle of it, and it sparks up red for no apparent reason. It looks cool. Uh, Robin has a, a different motorcycle every third scene. Mm-hmm. And they figure out a way to shoehorn in Batgirl. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, definitely you could see where they're... It, it seemed like the the sole purpose for this movie was for the merchandising. Yeah. Uh, but then they're also trying to get in young females uh, by uh, casting... Let's see. Well, you had Uma Thurman. You have Uma, Uma Thurman, who... Uh, God damn, was she sexy. I mean... I, I know her from Pulp Fiction fame. I think right. that's, that's the movie I know her for. Uh, Alicia Silverstone. Yes, from Clueless. Really? Yeah. And uh, evidently she was uh, still a teenager mm-hmm. uh, in this role. Uh, they also have uh, Elle McF- uh, McPherson, who is uh, an Australian model, uh, and she certainly fits the bill for that. Um, what, uh, what role did she play? Um, oh, God. Let me see. She was uh, Julie Madison, Bruce Wayne's girlfriend. Mm. If you remember from... Uh, That's right. What, what was that? That first ball scene or whatever right. when Poison Ivy comes in and is screaming about... That's uh, right. Uh, we got we to gotta save the planet. Who cares about the millions of dead people? Um, right there on his arm. Great looking piece of candy. It was, it was a very confusing project. Uh, as we mentioned, Joel Schumacher, uh, fresh off his 1995 hit, Batman Forever. Uh, most of the same cast was returning, except for Batman, who was played by Val Kilmer. Uh, so you have George Clooney step in. Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, actually commanded the uh, biggest uh, price tag. I think they paid $25 million. And uh, was he worth services. every penny of it? I mean, he was great. I, I thoroughly enjoyed everything from him in that movie. I mean, I, I can't I can't hear what's going out over the air, but um, I do have some Mr. Freeze uh, ice puns mm-hmm. queued up and ready to go. So um, I, I do think it, we should. It's important to note that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger at this point was uh, six years away from being elected governor of California. That's, and you know what? Jesse Ventura also plays a prison guard. And later became the governor of Minnesota. Yeah. So this movie did better for political careers than it did for film careers. I think that's a good note. Oddly enough, that, I think that's that's a great note. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things went weird. Uh, we mentioned all of the ice puns, which I think we'll probably just add in uh, post production. In fact, let me mark it here: uh, ice puns. <laughs> that's how I'll know. To add those in. There there are a lot of ice puns in this movie. <laughs> there, there's I, I think I I think I have uh so I'll let's just go right into our notes here. Um I think his first line Arnold's first line of the movie was like the Iceman cometh. You know? And that, ice- that set his tone. Uh and then an early one. So like we we mentioned how this was this is such a sharp departure from what we would later uh, see with the Christopher Nolan series. Uh, It's very low stakes. 
Yeah. Uh, when you think about the Heath Ledger Joker, um, the Joker had bombs uh, on like two different freighter ships prepared to explode like hundreds of people. Yeah. Uh, blew up hospitals. Mm -hmm. Very dark and serious situations. Uh, in the opening of Batman and Robin, Mr. Freeze, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, is is after a rare jewel. I believe it's a uh, diamond. A, a diamond yeah. that is housed in a museum that he uses to uh, run his his suit. I, I didn't totally understand what he needed the diamonds for. It's 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 it looked like the diamonds are used to power his freezing suit because uh, Mr. Freeze, Doctor Freeze, Doctor Freeze uh, is a scientist who. His wife uh, had a rare disease. There was no cure for it. So he froze her cryogenically until he could come up with a cure. And as during the freezing process, he falls into a vat of frozen liquid. Like cryogenic liquid. And uh, now can only survive in sub-zero temperatures. I didn't understand why he was so angry, though. Like, what? Like, what? Like, okay, so you're you're now, you know. It sucks. I will admit that you have to uh, live in a suit like that. It yeah, your your degrees. lifestyle has drastically changed. But like, uh, your wife is ill. But it it doesn't necessarily explain your fucking the, fetish for ice. Yeah, and and freezing the city. And uh, uh, here here's a pun here. Mm. What killed the dinosaurs? The ice age. I wrote that down as well because I was like, wait a minute. I thought it was a meteor that and the, took him out. It's <laughs> like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Wait a minute. Wait a second, fella. Um but that but that's the uh that's the whole that's that's his dialogue is only ice puns. Pretty much and exclusively. Like, they tried to round them out as best as they could, giving him uh, a backstory with the ill wife and you know something that's plaguing him. But, but um but like why did he have to turn to crime? I mean, he's such a he's clearly an intel a highly intelligent person who has the ability to cure rare diseases. This is someone who I think would qualify for like National Institutes of Health funding for a research grant. Something tells me there were other avenues for him to pursue that didn't involve you know, freezing over Gotham City and stealing millions of dollars of diamonds. I mean, he, he talks about how he needs to hold the city ransom so the city could give him billions to complete his research. But I don't feel like a city of that size just has billions of dollars laying around ready to give out. I don't see how you can blame anyone else uh, for your wife contracting a rare disease. Uh, I mean, it's kind of no one's fault. I mean, really, if you want to blame anybody, it's it's him for not coming up with a solution. Yeah, because he's the forefront of research and he can't even figure it out. So, I mean, that's ultimately his failing. You know, that's why he freezes his wife. It's he's, all on you, buddy. Yeah. And so his fetish for freezing uh, at the beginning of the movie, he freezes this museum and he has a bunch of like uh, ice minions and lackeys and stooges come in. Reminded and, me of a, a Disney on ice performance. It's so weird. Like, I'm trying to tell you, like, in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, Bane uh, is blowing up uh, an NFL stadium from underneath. And he locks down, like, the entire city of Gotham for multiple months 
with the entire U.S. government unable to come in and do anything about it. And then Mr. Freeze in this movie is just turning Gotham into an ice rink so his goons on ice skates and hockey sticks yeah. can, like, play hockey. This is also a minor note, but the, the architecture style of Gotham was very strange to me, I felt like. Like, the buildings themselves were extremely cartoonish, and I didn't <laughs> understand, like, who... Who's the architect for Gotham City here? You know, like like Bruce Wayne's observatory was at the top of like a 40 story building that had a statue on top of it that was holding it up like Atlas holding right. up the world. But like, how do you like, you know, what what's the point of that? There's no one's going to see the statue from the, floor, the 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 ground floor. It's 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 pointless. You know, it just it looks so dumb. Uh, it's very dumb, and there's several scenes in which uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, in plotting his uh, at his takeover of Gotham, is looking at a snow globe of yeah. Gotham. <laughs> uh, this is this is how he gained insight into the layout of the city. He continuously gazed into a snow globe. Uh, as he plotted uh, his dastardly plans. I think we would be remiss, though, if we didn't talk about Poison Ivy as well. Absolutely. So uh, Poison Ivy is a disgruntled uh, scientist who is trying to uh, save the planet's uh, plant life. Prevent ecological From disaster. the evils of man. Right. A reasonable motive, you know. Her research is somehow corrupted into creating this uh, abomination, this uh, nuclear super uh, soldier. power man, yeah. super soldier, uh, who becomes Bane. Uh, and Bane is just a mindless idiot slave. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of like a roided up Pokemon. Uh, later in the film, when he's placing bombs around the observatory, uh, as he places each bomb, he just sort of grunts, bomb, bomb, mm. letting the viewer know what he was doing and what those were. They're bombs. Again, contrasting this with <clears throat> The Dark Knight Rises, where Bane is a criminal mastermind who breaks Batman's back. Literally. Uh, they give him so much more depth, uh, give him a backstory, make him articulate. It just seems like it, this is just such lazy writing uh, for most of this film. But uh, Poison Ivy uh, is working alongside the doctor who creates Bane, and uh, she is just horrified at this monstrosity. And that scientist says, like, you know what, bitch? You've seen too much. You're going to have to die. It's over. And he throws all of these chemicals on her, mm -hmm. which ultimately, and what are the lines? Her blood is replaced with aloe. <laughs> yes. Her, her skin, skin replaced with, with chlorophyll. Chlorophyll. Yes. Which I don't... None of this is anatomically possible. Not to mention It doesn't she, make any sense. Not to mention when this all happens, she's standing in a deep, dark lab cave, which implies that she'd probably wither away very quickly without sunlight. Great point. Great point. And so, like, I guess she's supposed to be... Like the Aquaman of plants, right? But um, I'm, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess. Is that a fair analysis? I, I, they didn't really give her many powers. She didn't seem, yeah. she didn't seem overly strong. Uh, she didn't seem overly fast. Um, all of a sudden, she started 
speaking like a 1940s uh, detective. Yeah, I was like she, I, really I sassy. She was speaking in like almost a poetic kind of way, but nothing rhymed. And like it clearly wasn't like she was trying to speak in verse, but she was like trying to, but didn't manage to do it very well. The only the only weapon in her arsenal was uh, a combination of pheromones to try and trick Batman and Robin into letting her do whatever she wanted. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of what played into the conflict between Batman and Robin, which really got annoying toward the end. Uh, Both of them fighting over her affection. Yeah. And I just got to say, Robin's character, who, I mean... I don't know. The actor's not even worth mentioning because uh, he does not go on to uh, an impressive film career. Which does not totally surprise me. But uh, one scene in particular that I remember very well is the the first scene that Batman and Robin meet Poison Ivy in that uh, the the lavish ball that they're having um, for environmental research or whatever it was. And uh, Uma Thurman comes in and has her, you know, her love scent potion thing. The pheromones. Right, the pheromones. Make her, make them fall for him. And uh, all of a sudden this starts- Which, 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 by the way, now that we're on the subject, Mm. um, can someone explain to me the connection between plants and human pheromones? How does that work? I I have no idea. How can uh, chemicals from plants uh, impact the the uh, human male in that way? I uh, took a fresh- uh, freshman high school uh biology mm-hmm. and uh that's yeah. that's the extent of my knowledge I'm, and that exceeds whoever you know the experience of whoever wrote the screenplay yeah so uh we're in this ball and I, I think something that really amused me was the uh the bidding war that starts over poison ivy the right to essentially have sex with poison ivy is okay what they're saying yeah uma thurman as poison ivy not as the uh the frumpy scientist, mm-hmm. because when you first see her in the lab, she's kind of an uggo. I mean, you know, she could have looked better. Well, she does look and better. She does. They do a lot. And, and it's so weird because it's such a cliche. Like if you want to make an attractive woman ugly, uh, you put her hair in a ponytail and you put glasses on her. Like really ugly glasses. Take, take off her makeup and that's it. Yeah. And somehow it works. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden when you take off the glasses, you put on some makeup, down, put on some makeup, uh, put her in some tights and God damn. We are also talking about Uma Thurman. So, I mean, it is Uma Thurman. I think it's a bit easier to, to take someone down a level than it is to bring them up a level. But, uh, you know, but Uma Thurman as poison Ivy walks into the observatory as they're doing this. I got to say, uh, made in 1997, but uh, the the whole idea of a female auction, yeah, where you have these rich uh, Jeffrey Epstein type billionaires bidding on what exactly a quote unquote date? I, I guess with uh, these women up for auction. Have you seen Borat two up to this point? Uh, I have seen Borat two. It reminded me of the uh, the the father daughter ball scene. Oh, that uh, they they have one in, of the more disgusting scenes. One of the more disgusting scenes. If, if I had to draw a parallel to to modern day, uh, you can draw a direct parallel to you know the auctioning off of slaves. I mean that's mm. that's basically what it came down to. 
and and you know a bidding and war. What are, what are these women expected to do? I, I don't uh, know. You just go out to are they sugar babies? I guess it, it's it's very bizarre. But anyways, these old decrepit wealthy men are are bidding on these women who are sort of dressed up as plants because they're trying to save the rainforest, something like that. Um, and Uma Thurman comes in, she sprinkles her little pheromone dust, and all of a sudden, the bidding skyrockets. Yeah, and we we jump up by very significant numbers very quickly. Bidding starts around, what, 10,000? Then they jump to 50, then they go to 100,000, then 500,000. And a Adam, by the way, who ends up uh, leading the bidding amongst the men? Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin, who... I guessed uh, got the brunt end of the pheromones. Mm -hmm. Got it more than anybody else. Batman starts f fucking bit bidding like $4 million. Uh, Robin, Robin outbids him and George Clooney is like, you don't have the money. Very, and very like, I'll get it no. from you. And, 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 and so Batman's basically bidding with himself. Yeah. And, and like, I, like, I don't understand how Batman could just be like, okay with that. And then at a certain point, the bidding stops, and Batman pulls out his uh, Batman credit Batman card. Batman credit card. Batman credit card, as he's bidding $7 million. Never leaves the house without it. Uh, no, he never leaves the cave. Never leaves the it. cave without <laughs> it. Yes, <laughs> which, thank you. Which is, I, I, I had to write down uh, easily the cheesiest, worst line of the movie for me because it's a direct ripoff of those... Uh, old ass American Express commercials. I think it was an American Express yeah. card that he was holding. It, it probably was, or at least trying to be a. Spoof it, it was a. It was a shoehorn in of some product placement there. Mm -hmm. But uh, I gotta say, as attractive as Uma Thurman is, is she worth uh, seven million dollars for one night? Is so I, I I gotta get a better understanding of yeah. what you're paying for. Yeah, because like. Not to say that women are commodities that can be bought and sold. But however, but since we're having the conversation, if I'm putting up seven million dollars, I, I, I deserve a right to know what I'm getting. I, that should be a lifetime of service at not one night. Yeah. I mean, we're at least talking about like, like what's what's seven million dollars, you know, like. Oh, let's say that's over. It's a whole a year. lot of cheddar. You know, let me let me let me type out a calculator over okay. here. All right. So we got we got seven million dollars. Let's get analytical. I think that's what our listeners have been right. waiting for. Over three hundred and sixty-five days. So you know, one year. Let's say we get one year of Uma Thurman for seven million dollars. One that's, year of no holes barred. Anything goes. That works out to. 19, and this is 1997 Uma Thurman. Oh, keep in mind. Not to not to mention, uh, you have to adjust adjust for inflation a little bit here with this money. Of course, so that goes without saying. This is even more expensive nowadays. So we're talking nineteen thousand dollars per day, which works out to just about thirteen dollars a minute. And and what what were they going to do? They were going to go out for uh, milkshakes. Uh, where were, were they going to go ice skating? What was Batman's plan? <sighs> Doesn't Batman have a girlfriend? We established Batman this. has a very steady girlfriend who he's uh, afraid to commit to. Yeah. Uh, very weird. She He had to like let her answer the question about marriage, which I didn't understand why. Batman has a lot of uh, interpersonal uh, relationship issues that they sort of bring up and never really acknowledge. I guess we're just... Expected to believe that because his parents were killed, Batman can't sustain any long-term meaningful relationship. I mean, like, 
It's not unreasonable, I guess. But what's Alfred then? Who's Robin in this situation? You know, like how how is he having these relationships if he can't handle having a girlfriend? But uh, I won't lie to you. This is the moment at which I've I've gone no further. I, I got up to the credit card scene and uh, then was distracted by uh, the millions of other things of work that I had to do. Holy for, shit! Uh, so you, you came to this podcast and you only got that far. I only got that far. This I'm is, I'm ready for the, the so, ride of my lifetime in five minutes or so. So you're <laughs> just you're just operating off of memory because this is a movie that you suggested, correct? The pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So I I've seen this movie, but not the whole thing for a while. Okay. Well, let me tell you what. Um, this. That scene where uh, Poison Ivy is introduced to both Batman and Robin, that sort of um, sparks the conflict between those two characters that will play itself out throughout the rest of the film. Between Batman and Robin, Between Batman and Robin. Right. Um, and it's not so much Batman as it is Robin who becomes obsessed with Poison Ivy, uh, who, as we mentioned, her only two really uh skills or advantages or powers are she has those weak ass pheromones which uh just sort of make gross old men flirt with her right and she uh she has poison lips which uh she's excited about but to me sounds really sad yeah uh, I mean, that's got to affect every meal. It's the kiss of death. And it's it's literally the kiss of death. And yeah. you could never, ever have a serious relationship. It doesn't seem like you're going really, to die alone. I mean, I think she's satisfied with having a serious relationship with her plants. And you know what? It would prove to be her ultimate demise. I yeah. know you didn't see that. But soon after this, I do remember we end up meeting uh, or creating the character of Black Batgirl, who's the uh, the. Uh, uh, immensely attractive American accented daughter or uh, <laughs> yes. niece of yes. the English Alfred, who I would like to note, this girl has been studying school in the UK and it's very, and it seems implied that she's lived in England all her life, but has an American accent. Uh, it's, it's bizarre. It doesn't make any sense. So here you have Batman and Robin fighting over poison Ivy. And uh, really the thing that I can't get past is Robin, who's, I guess, supposed to be in his early 20s. Uh, I think you found out in the previous movie with Val Kilmer, uh, Robin is a former acrobat, gymnast, tightrope walker or something. His backstory changes in so many Batman picks ways. him up from the circus and yeah. sort of brings him into the fold. And make no mistake, uh, for whatever talents Robin may possess... He is absolutely nothing without Bruce Wayne and Batman, uh, the fucking funding, mm -hmm. uh, the the Batcave, the Batmobile, yeah. all of the accessories and tools. He's he's fucking nothing. I wouldn't say he's leeching off of Batman, but he kind of is. He absolutely is. He's so insignificant. And that's what made this so frustrating. It's like Robin progressively just gets more and more jealous and uh, Batman is constantly trying to save his ass. Yeah. Uh, so Poison Ivy, her only weapon is seduction. And Robin is going in for the kiss. And Batman's like, no, wait. Remember all those other men who died of poison ingested via the mouth? Mm. She has poison lips. He's like, yeah, right. Poison lips. 
Give me a break, Batman. Mm-hmm. You're just jealous because she likes me more than you, huh? You just can't stand the fact that she could like me more than you. I know. And it's like, oh my God, I fucking hate you and yeah. your long ass 1997 sideburns. Like, who do you think you are? You're talking to Bruce Wayne. George Clooney. Yeah. Okay. I don't think George Clooney is really lacking for confidence. You, you are nowhere near his level. Fuck you. You're, yeah. a, you're scum. Do you know who you're talking to? Because obviously not. But uh, as you mentioned, uh, we're introduced to this uh, female character who happens to be Alfred's niece. So here's what's going on. Uh, Throughout the movie, we're finding out that uh, Alfred is dying. He has contracted an illness, just so happens to be the same disease that is uh, that has, you know, very nearly killed. uh, Mr. Freeze's wife, McGregor's syndrome, McGregor syndrome. I don't know what that is. So uh, out of nowhere, his niece uh, from an England boarding school, yes. I guess, shows up in a Catholic schoolgirl uniform. Oxbridge, they said. Oxbridge Academy. I didn't understand why she would have been wearing the school uniform. I can't. Uh, so. Because presumably she just flew in from England. So did she just like <sighs> leave her class and not change out of her school uniform? Well, she she wanted to. And I think it was meant to be sexy. Right. Which uh, the Catholic schoolgirl outfit is that still sexy? I mean, it was sexy when Britney Spears was at her peak. I mean, you know, the girl who's in the clothes, I think, matters, and the girl who's in the clothes. But here. but the whole idea of it—that's more of a grade school kind of outfit, is it not? Um, I mean, I've seen it. Are, are, there, could, are there are there collegiate campuses where they're wearing plaid skirts and knee socks? You could push it up to high school, I think. That's what best. I'm saying. That's what I meant. Yeah. When I said grade school, that sounds okay, gotcha, really gotcha. low. Yeah, I was thinking when you said that, I was thinking that, that elementary sounds school. Really, that I was sounds like, really I low. We want I meant sex. high school. Okay. I meant high. I mean, sure, sure. We'll go with that. I mean, <laughs> Robin may have uh, an illegal lust. But yeah. it, but it's not that gross. <laughs> no, I mean, we could at least assume that she's presumably over 18. Well, they do talk about her having a major, but they still put her in the plaid skirt and the, you know, the button up shirt and the sweater. Uh, so she shows up looking like a senior in high school, mm-hmm. but uh, I guess she's supposed to be in college. It's a little weird, but Robin is... I mean, I, maybe it's like right an all-girls school, something like that. Some Catholic college. I don't know. I mean, we're in the UK. Are there like really Catholics in the UK anymore? I thought they all went to Ireland. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I I can't tell you. But um, so Alfred is dying. His niece comes. Uh, Alfred is on his deathbed. And his niece finds uh, this CD-ROM. That is meant to go to Alfred's brother, who he's constantly trying to find but can't locate. Right. Because as it turns out, he wants his brother to come to Wayne Manor and pick up where Alfred ultimately would leave off and continue in his footsteps being the butler sort of handler Mm -hmm. of Batman. Uh, So she finds the CD-ROM, and one of my favorite scenes is she's trying to... Um, she's trying to unlock this uh, compact disc and she's guessing passwords. And I don't think you got this far. No, I did not. Here are the passwords 
so she sees that there's a password. She's guessing passwords to get into the CD. Room. To get into the CD, correct. Her it's first password. CDs are pa- can be password protected. It's password protected. It's encrypted. And here's her first guess. Her first guess is Alfred. Her I mean, you her know, first guess is Alfred. Look, we're not talking about some genius hacker here. Well, my uncle's first name is Alfred. That must be the password. I mean, when that doesn't work, her next guess is Wayne. It's mm. all one word guesses. Yep. Uh, the the password uh, rules must have been a lot more lax back then because they're all it's all one word, never more than six letters. You need a no num- numerals, no special characters, you need no something. underscore asterisks, nothing or anything, no nothing. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm just so tickled. Uh, these are all real guesses: Alfred, <laughs> Wayne, mm. and her last one of her last choices are England. <laughs> So she's like, okay, what do I know about my uncle? I know his name is Alfred. <laughs> I know that. Uh, what else do I know? I know that the family he takes care of, Wayne. That's not it? Okay, this has got to be it. The last thing I know about my uncle, he's from England. <laughs> oh, God. This is giving me a headache. She clearly knows nothing about this man that she claims that she pretends to love. Not to mention, like, she must know something about him, considering she came to the U.S., to be with him by herself. Somehow developed an American accent. Inexplicably. So obviously she must have been either from the U.S. or spent time in the U.S. So she has to have spent a lot of time with Alfred to have an American accent. Alfred is like 90 years old and she's like 19. Right. And somehow she's his niece. Something doesn't add up there. But, But I love this premise of trying to guess the password of a man who's supposed to be your uncle but clearly you know nothing about so what are some other guesses she could come up with uh butler (laughs) old (laughs) i I, I don't are these real are you making these up i'm I'm making them okay (laughs) i'm I'm trying to riff here yeah yeah uh fucking old spice Mm -hmm. uh rice pudding Mm. so finally so finally she figures it out and uh it turns out the password is her mother's name or her mother's nickname. Right. And she finds out that George Clooney and whoever the fuck Robin is are Batman and Robin. So mm. now that she's unlocked all of this information, she's able to access the Batcave and immediately uh, alarms go off. It's intruder alert, intruder alert. And this hologram of her uncle uh, pops up and he's like, intruder alert, state who you are. And she runs up to the hologram like it's like she's actually talking to her uncle. And she's like, it's me, Uncle Alfred. It's me. And the simulation is like, I thought you might find yourself down here. And because I anticipated this exact situation, I went ahead and made you a suit. So here it is and suit up. And when we meet Batgirl in the first place, she finds Robin's fleet of motorcycles and she's like, what are these? And Robin's like trying to get his dick wet. He's like, oh, those are my hogs. Maybe a, maybe I can teach you how to ride them sometime. And Alfred's like, absolutely not. Reasonable. And, <laughs> and she's like, don't worry, uncle. Uh, I'm too afraid of these things. So Alfred, the man who was too afraid to even let her near a motorcycle, yeah. has preemptively designed her a suit so that she can fight crime. 
a suit that is equipped with nipples, by the way. Every suit had nipples on the outside. Skin tight. Skin tight. Mm. Uh, protruding nipples some, every suit. Some costume designer uh, did not get a job after this movie, I have to say. It's, it's so weird. So many weird things. A lot of weird things. It, it's, 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 uh, it's toys. It's product placement. It's fucking porn. Uh, it's everything except a good movie. It's everything we love about American capitalism rolled into one. So here we go. Uh, Batgirl is now a part of the team. Um, and uh, this this wonderful triumvirate, uh, they, they have to go fight, fight uh, Mr. Freeze. They have to go fight Mr. Freeze. Uh, by the way, Poison Ivy, who is supposed to be able to communicate with plants, mm. is ultimately thwarted by a Venus flytrap who, I mean... Irony, I guess? I, I guess, or just shitty writing. Yeah. A lack of imagination. <laughs> but that's ultimately how she comes to an end. And so we, we return to this idea of, of diamonds uh, transferring into ice Whoa. somehow. Uh, Mr. Freeze needs diamonds to uh, keep his suit cold. Oh, I get it. You know how rappers, you know, it's like they got the ice. It's ice. Yes. I think that pun pun is used uh, to to a heavy degree. Oh, my God. Uh, But Mr. Freeze has taken over the observatory. Uh, For some reason, this telescope needs diamonds to operate. By the way, this is such a huge design flaw. If something needs uh, like 30 diamonds... 30 huge, uh, incredibly expensive and rare diamonds to operate, there's a design flaw. You couldn't have come up with something better? You you fucked up if that's the only way something works. Uh, So Mr. Freeze is able to easily convert that into an ice gun, and he's freezing over Gotham for some inexplicable reason. Uh, Batman, Robin, and Batgirl come in, save the day. They're able to... Uh, control all these satellites that are surrounding the Earth, uh, reflect the the sun's light onto Gotham, thaw everything. Which, I should note, would mean that Gotham is extremely hot all of a sudden. You know? Like, if you're going to quickly thaw ice, you need to be at, like, some kind of, like, almost near, like, boiling temperatures. They have this weird rule where if someone gets frozen... In the movie, in the movie, this is not based on science. I'm pretty sure. In the movie, once you're frozen, you have 11 minutes to thaw that person before they die. Why? Just so you can have a ticking clock. Uh, Uh, So that's how the movie is. We have to create suspense. All of Gotham is frozen. You have 11 minutes to figure out the satellites surrounding the Earth to reflect the sun's rays back to Gotham to thaw everything. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure as soon as you're frozen to sub-zero temperatures, you're dead. There is no... It's it's not like the five-second rule. Yeah. But... I mean, I think there's a period of time where you're not dead, but you, you die pretty quickly. It's... I, 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 I don't think once you're frozen, you yeah. can be thawed out. I, I don't know. Hypothermia is a thing. It's a real thing. You know? It's a real thing. Uh, so anyways, Mr. Freeze has stopped at the end, uh, but he has a chance to redeem himself. Um, so as we know, what, what's the name of that disease again? Uh, McGregor's syndrome. McGregor's syndrome. Yeah. 
his wife is to an extended point to where she's beyond at this point, she's beyond saving, but Alfred is not, he's only at a stage one. And Mr. Freeze happens to be the lead scientist in McGregor syndrome research. And Batman's like, look, uh, I know you're frustrated. Your wife's dying. It's a tough spot to be in. No one wants to see it happen. Here's your chance to be a good guy. Yep. How do we cure someone at stage one? Uh, Mr. Freeze just so happens to have two vials Mm -hmm. of an antidote in his pocket. Hands him over to Batman. Here you go. Alfred is saved. Uh, Mr. Freeze is allowed to continue his research at Arkham Asylum because they just so happen to have a very convenient lab. But hadn't he just developed the cure? He had it. He developed a cure for stage one. Mm. There are multiple stages, Adam. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So Mr. Freeze. I'll buy that. While he's locked up in the Arkham Asylum, uh, still has an opportunity to work towards saving his wife. So really, it's a win-win for everyone involved, except for anyone who watched the movie. Yep. <laughs> so I think that puts a bow on this one. Um, this was a, this was quite a movie. It, it was a fun movie. It's it's a great movie to hate watch. Yeah. Like okay, here's the thing. Like. <clears throat> We've seen some bad movies that are just like, they're bad, bad. Oh, this is unprofessional. Ooh. Where's my phone? Sorry. All good. Anyways, continue. Yeah, Ugh. that's a belch. Sorry, that's the beer there. Gotta let what? it go. Um, We're not drinking. What are you talking studio? about? That yeah, no, be, no, no. That I would be wildly unprofessional. I drink carbonated drinks mm. of some form. I like the bubbles. I like the fizz. Not the biggest fan of the bubbles, but you know, I like the taste. There's really no reason to drink carbonated drinks if you don't like the bubbles. Yeah, I don't really like carbonated drinks. But I cut you off there, or maybe your Where were cut we? you off. Um, I, I, we, uh, what were we talking about? I, I was saying how this is a, a great movie to hate watch. Oh, yeah. We've seen some bad movies that are just like, like if I'm being honest, watching Jack and Jill, I, I didn't really laugh very often at the movie, and it's meant to be a comedy. This movie's not meant to be a comedy. But I laughed a lot. You laughed because you knew you weren't supposed to be laughing. Exactly. And uh, it's it's a rare treat. Uh, I actually I actually did like the the ending because I thought it did exhibit some rare creativity. And like Alfred and Mr. Freeze's wife have the same disease. Mm-hmm. Mr. Freeze has the only cure to save Alfred. So maybe the bad guy isn't that bad after all. Everything beyond that, really lazy, shitty writing. Um, it's uh, it's the worst superhero movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't know if I could disagree with you on that. I think, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know. I have to say, uh, have you ever seen the movie Shazam? Is that a superhero movie? Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty recent one. He's a one. genie. Oh wait, Shazam! I'm thinking yeah. of Kazam. No, no, no! I'm thinking of Shazam, My which bad. is that uh, it's where um that like 13 year old can turn into like the, Shazam like, is better than this movie. I, I've I, seen I I've seen bits so. and pieces, but uh, there's a there's that, a lot of that flaws one's cheesy. In that, movie. that one's corny. That one's a comedy. Yeah, that one's meant to be a comedy. It, it's it's like it's intentionally bad in many ways. So you sort of have to like view it in that context. This wasn't meant to be bad. I mean, I'm reading here and like. 
other people who were considered for the role that Arnold Schwarzenegger played were Ed Harris, Anthony Hopkins, and Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Those are not people that you associate with an intentionally bad movie. No, you're absolutely right. In fact, uh, the previous iterations of the script, I think, were written for actors like Patrick Stewart. And they were supposed to come off as more Shakespearean Mm -hmm. and dramatic. And as soon as Schwarzenegger got the role, they're like, well, this guy can't pull that off. We're dumbing it down. Hence, you get all these ice puns. Which, honestly, I think was a good trade-off. <laughs> <laughs> it, it certainly made me laugh. Yeah. Um, so I hope we made you guys laugh uh, as you listen to this podcast. Uh, we're sort of rambling on. We don't really know how to end it. I think that we should give this a rating. Okay. Yes. 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 Uh, okay. How many legs? How many legs do you give this film? I forget. What's our rating scale? How many legs do we Uh, One to five. Five being, well, not only an anatomic freak, but hey, that's that's a good movie. (laughs) All right. Well, let's see. So I I gave Jack and Jill uh, three legs, which I think the longer I think about that was probably a poor rating. I think it deserved a little bit lower than that. But in the context of... Three legs, if five is the max, is not bad. Right. I mean, that's more than two legs, which is more than you need. I forget. Are we saying more legs means it's a better movie or more legs is a bad movie? More legs. Uh, let's not make this confusing. <laughs> legs essentially means stars. Yeah. For yeah. our purposes. So I'm going to go with, I'm feeling four legs. You know what? You really like this movie. I, I do enjoyed I, this. Look, I don't remember what I gave Jack and Jill. Mm-hmm. Not too many legs. This is so weird. Um, <laughs> But I did like this movie more than Jack and Jill. Uh, It was so fucking awful and annoying at points. But when you have a movie with George Clooney, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Uma Thurman, uh, it's going to have some redeeming qualities. Yeah. So whatever I gave Jack and Jill, I'm going to give this one additional leg. Yeah. Uh, So I can't give it four legs because that means it's really fucking good. But... I don't think I gave Jack and Jill three legs, so I'm going to give this one three. I'm going to give it three and a half legs. I think I agree with you on that scoring system. My problem is I've sort of bookmarked myself on a higher end of the scale than I really want. So I think uh, retroactively I'm bumping down Jack and Jill (laughs) a leg. Uh, This probably deserves around three legs. Jack and Jill did nothing to get a lower score, but fuck you, Adam Sandler, and fuck you, Jack and Jill. Exactly. You're worse than this movie, Yeah. so we're we're taking away a leg. You know what? I'm not a trained uh, film critic, so we're making it up as we go along. We we really are. In fact, I I don't know how to stop recording, so all I'm going to say is uh, thank you so much for joining us. For the third episode of Lieutenant Dan's Legs. And it looks like uh, this might be the final episode of our semester. Well, it, it, it could be. Could uh, be. I Actually, I'm going to say it very, what, very likely is. Very likely. Very, very likely. Um, thank you so much for joining us. We will be back. Next semester. Next semester. Uh, sometime in late January. We get back that last week of January. So I'd probably target somewhere early February for the next episode. Early February. Upload. We're looking forward to 2021 just as much as you guys. Yeah. We're going to try to make uh, this a, a more consistent production, maybe something that has a bit more of a coherent flow. Let's let's not make too many promises that we're not prepared to deliver. But you know what? We'll we'll <laughs> give it we'll give it the the old college try. Yeah, we'll give it the old college try. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much everybody. We'll talk to you soon. 
Uh, until next time, I'm Jacob Payne. And I'm Adam Garrity. You've been listening to Lieutenant Dan's Legs. Y'all have a great night.